With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang. Will Gavin in the house for our Week 13 preview. Will, of course, uh, part of the TalkSport crew on the Gridiron gang as well. Always a fine guest. Looking forward to getting in to some of the big games, in particular on the Week 13 slate. Rams cards. We'll talk Saints, Falcons, Browns, Titans. That is intriguing too. We'll do our level best to get into each and every game on the week 13 slate for you. Big shout out to all of you uh, who have left reviews on whichever pod platform you listen to. We really appreciate that. It helps spread the word. It is massively appreciated by ESPN, by our partners, Betfred. So thank you for taking the time to do that. If you haven't already, you got to spend 30 seconds. That would be fine and dandy. And also saluting all the crew over on social media at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Lots of extra content that gets put out there. Videos as well. So make sure if you haven't already, go give us a follow there, right? Let's get straight down to business. Lot to cover. So we will check in right away with Will Gav. Will Gav, it's always a pleasure to see you, man. Uh, particularly when you're resplendent in uh, a San Francisco 49ers Christmas jumper. Look, it's December. The, the spirit of Christmas cheer is upon us. And the 49ers are back in the playoff race. So I figured I'd treat you to a little visual splendor as well as audio splendor today. Who'd have thunk it? Huh? Your 49ers back in business. I quite fancy them this weekend as well against the Bills. We'll talk about that later. We're going to do our very best to pick uh, every game. And that is a tall order, uh, uh, particularly for you, Will, because, of course, you and I work together each and every week on, <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the radio coverage every Sunday. We, we had, it was a smart idea from from producer role to pit us head to head, of course, against our guests who uh, we snappily titled team guest. Uh, but that that chip has sailed, right? You, I think you formally conceded last week. It took all of three minutes for you to mention this. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I have had a bad season. And the worst part is, is that I previously, Gridiron did a whole uh, picks league previously, mm. uh, and I topped that. And we did it with there were thousands of listeners got involved as well. And it was all done through the Gridiron website and they still do it every season, but I've not been involved this year. And me and Matt Sherry finished one and two and I pipped him by like two picks. And ever since then, I've been real kind of cock of the walk about how good I am at the picks. So this has been absolutely devastating this season to be just as bad as it has been. And I, you know, in the way that nobody should. I've been chasing the wins for, mm, this is for it. weeks upon weeks. That's and where it, just... all, it all gets, it all gets very messy. I love this. I love the, uh, the, the pride comes before us full story. Also, it, as you talk about that uh, picking competition, and it just got me thinking of, of our friend, I, Mike Carlson, of course, who, uh, who regularly reminds us that he picks better than any expert in the world, including supercomputer as well. So I'm just spotting <laughs> some kind of future show, which gets you, the oh, gridiron God. crew, supercomputer, all of us in the mix for, for one big showdown. Uh, but anyway, hey, you might, uh, you might, it's, all is not lost, just like it isn't for your 49ers. It could still, could still come back. We're going to get into that game. All the others. There are three in particular that we want to key in on. Rams cards, Saints, Falcons, Browns, Titans. And then we'll do rapid fire on the others. Before we do, though, a quick question for you. 
Matt Nagy, everybody's mm-hmm. favorite. <laughs> uh, extraordinary press conference he gave where he was calling out anybody, essentially. And it got me thinking, Will, who gives the more awkward yet watchable presser? Is it Matt Nagy or is it Adam Gase? I think Adam Gase is more entertaining. Adam Gase is just straight up a little bit. I can remember we did um, Bears Packers to start last season, you know, back when we could travel internationally and actually go to games. We went to Soldier Field and we we did it from in stadium on the Thursday night. It was a dreadful game of football and Matt Nagy had a dreadful game of play calling. But I remember doing his press conference on the, probably the Friday beforehand and thinking... This guy is a little bit either full of himself or just a bit odd or just like I couldn't quite pinpoint it. Whereas Adam Gase is just just plain weird. Like and last week got caught out in just a, an actual lie, just mm. on the play calling. Some like one of the beat writers asked him straight out and said, "Look, we're not seeing your offensive coordinator making those play calls, and yet you seem to have your head in the play sheet." And he started making up this thing about, "Well, yeah, he tells me <laughs> the first three plays of a series." I call them so that he can pay closer attention than he calls them. And the guy was just like, no, he doesn't. You keep calling them. Uh, it's like, yeah, well, what happens is in this point, and it just, it, the whole thing was so bizarre. Um, we will be there, right? Where we, I'm sure, well, I'm sure we have. Where we Definitely at school. <laughs> one, I, I, one, or two, one or two times. I mean, I know you are probably the star people will gather. A bastion uh, of honesty. Rarely get into any kind of any kind of trouble, but yeah, it was brilliant. You described it perfectly. The lie just got more and more awkward, and he was just getting into deeper and deeper water. And we all knew, but he just kept, he tried to style it out. It was extraordinary. I love, I've got a theory that Adam Gage, I was talking to producer Ollie about this on the Edge Rush show, that Adam Gage, uh, A, might be a genius. Uh, B, could be Rex Ryan about to rip his mask off <laughs> come week 17. Bulge uh, I just There's just something more to this story than, than meets the eye. I'd, li- I'd like to think there is, Well, I'd like to think there is. But Matt Nagy, that was, that was extraordinary. And the Bears uh, in uh, free fall as well. Let's get down to stuff, though, because we do have a, a hell of a lot of ground to cover. And, uh, and Marley uh, producing today is going to – he'll kick off. Well, you've got to be careful. He will kick off. Uh, fearsome, uh, single Terry style. So we got. He, he really strikes me as that. When I first got on the Zoom today, immediately <laughs> terrifying. Just a Tomlin style stare down the camera at me. Like, very Tomlin esque. Very Tomlin esque. Let's start Rams cards. I uh, because of course two teams that play in your forty uh, nine divisions. The two teams you know particularly well. Two teams, particularly the Rams case, that seem quite difficult to work out. They both need a bounce back win. The cards. Trending very much in, in in the wrong direction. The Hawks and New England have held them to 17 and 21 points, respectively. Kyler Murray's been bottled up. They just don't seem to have that mojo at the stage of the season when it counts. This is a difficult proposition for them, isn't it? Coming up against this front seven, having D-Hop against Jalen Ramsey. I mean, this looks to me like a, a, an important and necessary bounce back win for the Rams. Tell me I'm wrong, Will Gavin. It was interesting hearing from uh, Kelvin Beecham this week, the Cardinals right tackle, who has been in Pittsburgh in very successful teams, in playoff teams, in championship level teams, discussing just how inexperienced this team was and how he was trying to communicate to them, look, this is playoff football right now. Uh, The we mentioned it at the top of the 49ers being back in the playoff race. I mean, if the Rams still face the Cardinals twice, if the Rams sweep the Cardinals, the Cardinals could drop out of the playoffs in favor of the 49ers, which right. would be 
absolute worst case scenario for them, not just dropping out when they've looked so strong, when they had a guy who two weeks ago people wanted to put in the MVP race in Kyler Murray. Um, it, it looked like they were going to be a, a real force this season. And then I, I really do think on their side, it's down to coaching. I know it's something we bang about, a bag on about on the Sundays every week, but mm. Cliff Kingsbury the last two weeks has been out coached by two absolute greats. The Patriots have arguably the least talented front seven in football. And yet they completely restricted a run game, which had dominated teams week in, week out for eight, nine weeks of the season. Uh, they restricted Kyler Murray to, what, 15 yards. They restricted the team overall to to their short, lowest rushing total in the last seven weeks. It's, and they put nothing They put nothing up. The Patriots won no. that game. And Newton had less than 100 yards, as, as usual, it seems, unfortunately, these days. For Cam, they couldn't get the ground game going either. I mean, it was just a mess offensively for New England. And yet uh, they got the job done. I mean, that is interesting, your stat on Murray there. And over the, those two games I mentioned, he's had 10 carries, 46 yards, just two first downs in that as well. His shoulder's an issue, and, and we're hearing about that. And I wonder how much that is impacting the, 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 the play call and the, the drawing up. Outside of that, though, is this the big concern with this game? That, and a lot of big ifs, right? Because Jalen Ramsey shut down DK Metcalf and and other serious threats throughout the course of the season. He's, I would say, and keen on you think about this, maybe the best quarterback in football right now. It, assuming he does do a reasonable job on DeAndre Hopkins, does that make this an almost impossible chance for for the Cards, given how? indifferent they're being at the moment and different how uh, and, and seeing how much pressure that's going to put on Mari's arm in particular which is still over the course of the season over a, on a consistency level far from the finished article uh, Ramsey I'm glad you mentioned the performance against DJ Metcalf because I thought that was astonishing even for a player we know is an incredibly high level cornerback like yeah it was as shut down as kind of anything I can think of from the last few years it was Patrick Peterson at his best. It was Darrell Revis at his best. It was that kind of level of performance. And if he can do that against DeAndre Hopkins, there was this idea that going into this season, that Cliff Kingsbury's four wide receiver system that he brought out of college, they run four wide receivers more than any other team in the NFL, that now they had DeAndre Hopkins to go with Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk, the four of them together, that suddenly that was going to just absolutely click. The weeks where it's worked really well has been... Normally, DeAndre Hopkins having 10 plus catches, 100 plus yards like that is he has made the whole thing run. And so if he is someone that you can shut down and combine it with a front seven who they let up a couple of big runs against the 49ers. But you the second half performance against San Francisco, the Rams defense really stood up and were counted for and made a big, big difference. The 49ers let the Rams back into that game and they probably could have beat them by two or three scores if they'd continued the momentum from the first half. And I think that that was hugely down to the defense. And on the other side of the ball, I think the Rams have a good offense and I think Jared Goff is a viable NFL quarterback. I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you where you stand. And you and I, of course, have uh, been... Uh, long-standing listeners of, of, of TMR and way back in the day, I remember chatting to you about being an early adopter of fantasy football. And of course, I'm mentioning that show now because I am, if nothing else, a company man. And, and back in the day, we had the Dalton line, of course. And, and the Dalton line was that median level quarterback. And so let me throw that at you with a little twist because as far back as I can remember back in that early uh, 2000s Ravens side, right, with Dilfer, you look at whether a quarterback 
of average capability can a get you to the Super Bowl, Rex Grossman style, and b ultimately win a Super Bowl? Whether you're looking at uh, uh, an end of the era Peyton through to ro- early era Roethlisberger in his rookie season, a quarterback doesn't really influence the game particularly, but through the course of the season does enough to get you there because all the other pieces around it are, are, are good enough as superior, right? Doesn't this Rams side look like that? Goff's not a bad player. The, uh, the the problem with all of the examples that you give and Rex Grossman, Trent Dilfer's another one that always comes up. Yeah. Early, uh, I'm glad you said early Big Ben as well, because first, Ben's first Super Bowl, he almost did nothing in that mm. playoff run, but a great run great game, a great defense, and a quarterback who looked after the football was, mm-hmm. was all they really needed. What's been interesting, and I've, the San Francisco-Los Angeles relationship, the Carl Shanahan, Sean McVay relationship, I, I mean, to say Carl Shanahan's had Sean McVay's number is a, graphic understatement they are short hearing Sean McVay in press conferences talk about being the student to the teacher having worked under him in places like Washington it's astonishing to hear like somebody he is your divisional rival head coach and you're giving him maybe just a little too much respect there and Mm. it feels like with Robert Sala who has I think made a big step up this season interestingly because of the injuries they've just controlled those games I don't think Jared Goff is a bad quarterback but I think that he is a guy that you can scheme for. And the problem is, is that this idea of a scheme quarterback, I think there are maybe two quarterbacks in the NFL that aren't scheme. That aren't right. Exactly. But is it, is it more pressure? And I know that is a, a truism of any quarterback, right? That, that I can't think of one quarterback that thrives under pressure. You might, you know, there's plenty that can, or a handful, I should say that can um, battle in the face of it and still perform at, a, a suitable level but most regress for obvious reasons but but some far more so than others and golf seems to be amongst the most Jekyll and Hyde in that respect mm. and that and that is his biggest problem is that there'll be some weeks where he turns up and you just don't know what you are going to get from him when the offense is clicking when he's got a clean pocket when he's got a little bit of maybe not even a little bit of time because Jared Goff's almost a guy you don't want to have to progress through three or four. He's a guy who you want to really clearly define the defense on the other side. You want to use those pre-snap motions like the, they do in that offense in San Francisco in Kansas city to make sure that you can read what the defense is doing. And often you'll set up quite literally. So one half of your offense is in, is ready to beat zone. The other half is ready to beat man. And when you see what the defense is, You've immediately eliminated half of the field. Run your outs because we need you to be fooling them, but I'm going over there. It's, mm-hmm. That's where the ball is. And when that's worked for Jared Goff, he's got great accuracy, real toughness in the pocket, keeps his eyes downfield, a decent throwing motion, a decent arm. Like everything is there to be successful. It just does appear to be some mental collapses at times. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he is good enough to take them to and win a Super Bowl there. I picked the Rams as my NFC West uh, t- uh, winner this year, which obviously the Seahawks being as good as they've been for large stretches of the season will likely take that division at this point. But, you know, I, I back McVeigh and Goff. It's just that they seem to, they seem to drop two games a season to the 49ers. And yet they have had Arizona's number for the last four or five years. Sean McVeigh talked about it being a much improved team this last week, but when you get those divisional games and there is a bit of a momentum in one direction or the other, see with Cleveland this year, like Cleveland mm. got into those divisional games and just seemed to collapse like a flan in a cupboard, just absolutely <laughs> fall apart. And it's almost like they're going, Oh, it's an AFC North game. Let's just not bother today guys. Cause we're going to lose it. Let's be honest. And I do sometimes feel like that can be the case. 
I also kind of just feel like Arizona have not been shown up for what they are over the last few weeks, but maybe there was a feeling that it's not like Bears level. I think when people saw the five and one Bears, we were looking at going, is this the worst five and one team? We've I love this. I love the worst insert record here team. It's my favorite <laughs> yeah. narrative of the season. And, uh, I, lo- I love the, re- the, the the teams that completely implode as well. So the Bears, I mean, the Bears are after a decent record. So the Bears absolutely are, are doing that. So that you're right. They're not, not at that level. It's interesting what you're suggesting though and, and again i'm here this is another hot take that is doing the rounds that i'm not altogether buying because we just there is a tendency to overreact and look as we've established i think quite clearly and, and statistically backed it up kyler murray has had a difficult couple of weeks right but this idea that defenses have worked out kyler murray i think is probably overstating that a little bit yeah i don't think he is workoutable in the exactly. right Offense. I actually think he's one of those guys who, and, and again, I'm not saying that he's one of those two guys who I don't think are system quarterbacks. Who yeah. I literally, I literally think it's it's Pat Mahomes and it's Russell Wilson, and Wilson. that might be it. Yeah, like, I, I think that everyone well, Lamar. Lamar. To, uh, see, I still think Lamar Jackson is though because he needs that element of the run game there. If you tried to make Lamar Jackson be a pure pocket passer, mm. I don't think he could. He he'd have a a level of success but you couldn't literally put him into any system and it would work i do think those two guys are the only two who i i think you could put russell wilson or patrick Mahomes on any offensive scheme in the nfl mm. and they would run it competently mm. i don't think you can say the same about tom brady aaron Rodgers. maybe it's wrong to go to the older quarterbacks but even like what we've seen from guys like josh allen justin herbert like the guys coming in who've had really good seasons this year you still feel like yeah but they're going to need to have things around them to be successful as Almost every NFL quarterback does. Well, um, Mike Lennon could handle any system in the NFL. <laughs> Let me tell you that right now. He's had to handle enough of them, so. <laughs> Glad on. All right. I think we're clearly both picking the Rams there by the, by the sound of it. Um, let's go to Saints-Falcons next. This is an interesting game given what we saw the Falcons do last week. Uh, and it was the shock of the week, I think, just how easily they dismantled the, the Raiders. The Falcons probably will be without Julio going into this one at the time we're recording this, which is Friday afternoon. That's what we are expecting. Uh, so they're going to be shorthanded for sure. So the line is pretty low for me, given that. And I guess a lot of that is down to the recency bias of look how big the Falcons went. Mm, there's no Drew Brees. And let's start with that. What have you made of the first couple of starts for Taysom Hill? So I think a lot, I almost think too much has been made of the Broncos game. It feels mm. like I watched, I, I literally just watched that game back last night and I they went out there and it went, well, they haven't got any quarterbacks. We're going to win this game by four touchdowns, yeah. most likely. Why would we do anything out of the box? Why would we show our hand in any way? Why would we right. force Taysom to throw the ball 30 plus times? It's astonishing that he's not. Because that thrown. is, well, sorry, just that you make a really interesting point there that uh, that I want to elaborate on. Because I don't think it is, is emphasized enough. Or it's often mentioned in passing and they're not really developed. Coordinators and teams will, will hold on to stuff for the latter stage of the season, right? And, and, and as you say, not show the hand, not necessarily give 
too much when it is unnecessary. And that, as you say, was probably the prototypical game where they were going to be as conservative or at least uh, as least revealing as they, as they needed to be. The, the most obvious example from recent seasons is the Philly special, which had been in the Eagles offense since the season before. They'd practiced it in preseason, changing up actually who was throwing the ball and they were going to run it in the they had plans to run it, i think in the either the divisional or the championship game and they've talked openly about it that was it was when they played the vikings who had just come off um the minnesota miracle i think it yep. was I, i'm i this is all kind of trying to recall it so i might have got the wrong season but they come off that big win the week before and just got absolutely trounced they just went well we don't we don't actually need to run it today let's hold it again yeah and that's what you've like coordinators have plays that they have for certain situations that, and, and what always astonishes me about well, the Butler Super Bowl play, right? Teams. Well, so that, that amazing example is the Butler Super Bowl play because the, the Seahawks hadn't run that play on the goal line for something like a year and a half. And yet, because they are so meticulously planned and so studied, the Patriots had seen that that was one of their goal line options. And we I, I can, we spoke with Jimmy Garoppolo in the locker room directly after that Super Bowl. And as the scout team quarterback, it's always quite an interesting person to talk about when they've mm. had, like, when they beat a good defense. And he told us they ran that play 30 times in practice and Malcolm Butler didn't pick him off once. Mm. But that 30 reps of doing that play meant that when they saw it, Belichick knew to rotate extra defensive backs in. He saw the look he wanted. He brought the extra guys in mm -hmm. and Malcolm Butler just made a phenomenal play on it. Mm. But they'd held back their knowledge on that. And mm. the Seahawks had held back that play. That play, yeah. And yeah. you just, and so I think that to bring it back to kind of the yes. original point, Taysom, because like we could go off on one in a big way here, not that we haven't already. That's a separate show we're uh, going to definitely get into more, but yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> Marley's already, I could hear him in my ears. I could, <laughs> he's, he's, he's like Tomlin, as you say, he doesn't need words. He just, it's just that sense. That's that sense. Yeah, it's all it There's, is. The Taysom Hill was good in the first game against the Falcons. Like, mm. viable NFL quarterback good. Now, it was one game, and he still didn't throw a touchdown pass, which means it's been four years since he threw a touchdown pass and none of them in the NFL, which is ridiculous. Mm. But he looked fine in that game. He made some plays. The scheme worked for him. They used the run game. And he looked like... I mean, no real drop-off from what we saw from Teddy Bridgewater last yep. season when he had to step in for Drew Brees. Right. Now, Teddy Bridgewater did have one or two absolutely phenomenal performances, which we've not seen from Taysom Hill, and maybe that's this week. But I don't see why with... And in fact, on the first game, Michael Thomas had his best game in... Well, I know he'd had the injuries, but he'd had his best game since the first few weeks of the season. And it's usually look at the look at who he's targeted since he started, and it is Michael Thomas 70% of looks, but, you know, statistically, something like that anyway. And it's because they are playing, instead of having Drew Brees back there, who is reading defences much more intricately and making changes, they are running the offence that's written on paper and they are running it on schedule and they are not freelancing. And so Michael Thomas is seeing the ball a lot mm. and he's having success doing it. Like everything has been on time, on rhythm and just worked. And I think that's what they'll do again this weekend. Sean Payton is underrated when it comes to football genius at the offensive position. I think everyone, wants, everyone wants to look at... McVeigh and Shanahan yep. and the young yep. guys coming through Lafleur and people like that. But Sean Payton's been doing that same thing for 10 plus years now. I totally agree. He, I he's totally not a popular agree. man, but <laughs> he's a brilliant coach. We'll get over that. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> I think it's a great point you make. I think he is underrated. And, and I think this is why a lot of people were sleeping early on, 
on the Saints this season, you know, for that reason. I mean, defensively, it's they have been playing, I think, collectively better than we expected, certainly in, in, in the secondary. But offensively, all the talk was, well, Breeze hasn't got the long ball, the deep ball anymore. And they've just shown, well, it, it, it doesn't matter when you've got those two working together with the cast assembled around them. It doesn't matter. And Breeze goes down. It doesn't seem to matter. Two questions on the Falcons, then we'll go on to Browns Titans. Firstly, seeing as we love these narratives this season, the worst team with insert record here and the best team <laughs> with insert bad record here. The Falcons now four and seven, and they've been a lot of close games, Will, and they've had uh, you know some heartbreakers and games they've, they've thrown away. They flip coach midseason. And uh, the t- these two questions connected because I want to ask you about Raheem Morris and whether he should get the, the gig. But before we get your answer on that, this Falcons side a lot better than a number of teams with superior records, do you think? Yeah, I, I do think so. And if you if you actually look at the um, the six game stretch that Raheem Morris has, has coached, uh, one four of six, they lost the game at the Saints, and that was the game that I went on radio and I thought, right, this is where their defense really shows up and kills a team. Turns out they waited another seven days to do that and did it against the Raiders <laughs> instead. Uh, I'm just I'm just ahead of time, Matt. That's the point. Is I'm a, a <laughs> I'm a soothsayer. I just predict these things coming uh, ahead it'll, of schedule. It'll, it'll light up at some point. It's like the <laughs> yeah. turnover, turnover differential. It won't <laughs> it won't be out of sync for too much longer. I, I'm like the two Ronnie's mastermind sketch of picks. <laughs> I I just get the right picks a week early that's the problem um love, love the cultural reference there <laughs> yeah we another talking, one for the kids yeah we were talking planes trains and automobiles just before and uh <laughs> and marley who was of that generation had no idea what no idea what we were talking about at all <laughs> my god help me out listen help me out 20 something listeners out there uh please tell me you've watched planes trains and automobiles hit us up at the nc show if you haven't i we will we will make it uh, a, a, a stipulation that if you're going to continue listening to this show, you have to have watched at least <laughs> one John Candy film. I'm calling that right now. Um, Required viewing. It the, is. The, po- the, the point being back on the football, I love planes, <laughs> trains, um, is that he, I think Raheem Morris has come in and done a great job, and I will answer that question, but mm. I also think their defence got healthy. Dion Jones has been huge for them. Keanu Neal has been huge for them. They run the... It's that same scheme that with Dan Quinn that kind of was bred out of Seattle, the cover three system where they play very simple, deep high safety, two corners. And it's all about speed at linebacker is absolutely huge. Speed mm. at safety is absolutely huge. And those are two positions that are so important to them that maybe in other squads you can let up a little bit on if you've got some good pass rush or good corners. Mm. Um, and having the best players in those two positions back for them has been absolutely massive and has really changed their season. Todd Gurley falls down at the one-yard line. They've won five of six and they're a game out of the playoffs. Like, that's astonishing considering just how bad they were to start the season, just how many 16-point leads they gave up over the first five weeks. Like, the Cowboys game, the, the just absolute mess at one yeah. point. And they've really turned things around. I think what's fascinating about this game this weekend is you've got two teams who normally we're so used to 30, 40 point per team shootouts with these two. Right. Actually, we might get with what the Saints have now conceded one touchdown in four weeks and the Falcons defense is suddenly healthy. This might be like 13-10 and might be the most <laughs> like just the least NFC South game of all time. Old school Tennessee, like the Jeff Fisher Titans game. It was all, every Jeff Fisher <laughs> Titans game, I'm convinced, <laughs> end, ended 17-13. Um, <laughs> So does he get the gig, do you think, Raheem Morris, or are they going to drink the Kool-Aid and pick some hipster Joe Brady style from college? 
I, I really liked the um, Raheem Morris was on the Peter King podcast this week mm. uh, off the back of that Raiders win. And I hadn't really heard him talk much. Part of the thing with the Zoom conversations, if you just don't see as much of it on TV, they don't use as much of the footage as they would do. I was really, really impressed with the way that he approached that entire interview, with the way he talked about his first head coaching stint, which wasn't good in Tampa Bay, but kind of just said, you know, I was 30 years old and mm. I knew everything, except I knew absolutely nothing. And <laughs> the way he talked about his approach to rebuilding the organization, the way he he talked about bringing in, identifying leaders on each kind of, not just each phase of play, but actually a run game guy, a pass game guy, uh, like and and picking out leaders and establishing with them what they needed to do to turn this team around. And I think the way he's turned it around, there's a huge question mark over what they do with Matt Ryan. I think if you want to absolutely blow it up and you're going to move on from Matt Ryan and you're going to go and try and get a young quarterback, which they've moved out of the stakes for the top three guys now, probably who might go one, two, three. Yeah. Uh, which is they were very much in that conversation a few months ago. But if they don't decide to make that change and they're going to try and win a Super Bowl with this team with some augmentation, then I think Raheem Morris is absolutely the way to go. I only blow it up if if you're going to blow it up. If you're going to go Matt Rule, Carolina Panthers, break it down, start again, then maybe you go and look at a college coach. But I think Raheem Morris has done enough the last six weeks to prove that he deserves a shot at it, at least. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, it's very much his control, right? If he ends end strongly it's always the best way like in you know we saw that this with the, the dolphins last season of course and it's in football as it is in stand up as it is really in life if you end strongly it doesn't matter what happened <laughs> the first half of it all um incidentally just a, a very quick tangential point i might have told you this before seeing as we've worked together a lot over the years but when i had the the pleasure of interviewing joe montana of course i i asked we talked john candy and we talked uncle Buck, and i asked him his favorite um favorite candy movie and he, and he he went planes trains he went planes trains and uncle buck was number two which i kind of probably am leaning towards in the candy in the candy power rankings i i have a real real affinity for cool runnings because it was one mm. of the first films i remember seeing at the cinema when i was i think i came out like 93 94 so yes I yeah 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 nine ten years old and so that has a real affinity that and jurassic park i remember being the two things that i really remember seeing at the cinema when i was younger and being like wowed by them yeah so i they like it's a personal thing that i love cool runnings i think i take planes trains over uncle buck you get steve martin with planes trains as well who is right comic genius and the young people who haven't seen the jerk and who haven't seen stuff like planes trains and things those are all sensational films and he was those two were the superstars there so i yeah, yeah I'd have planes, trains over Uncle Buck, I think. Although Steve Martin stand up as well. Um, oh. but it's, if you see the planes, trains, there's a thing doing the rounds with deleted scenes, scenes that they took out. Uh, I'll send you the link if uh, we'll push out on our social handles as well. A couple of deleted scenes that uh, have been found and other scenes that weren't filmed but were scripted. It's really, really interesting. The um, uh, the uh, Uncle Buck and Cool Runnings connection. I don't think this happens in planes, trains. Is John Candy betting on horses. I think isn't that the opening scene of Corona's pretty much? He's got that some <laughs> yeah. and then Uncle Buck the same thing. I love John Candy even more. Uh, I'm sure he just introduced those little nuances to his characters. Right, Browns Titans is where we'll go next. So uh, this is fascinating because the Titans are typically well amongst the stoutest rundies in the NFL, but they can get burnt when they're up against heavyweight running backs. Right. Dalvin Cook, 
James Robinson. They've torn it up. So Nick Chubb, for me, is the key to this game. Not just Nick Chubb, but I think Nick Chubb's been so good this year and deserves to be in the conversation. If we're taking this scene, this season on its own merit, you mentioned Dalvin Cook. I think you talk Dalvin Cook, you talk about James Robinson, you talk about Nick Chubb, probably... There's two or three, well, Derek Henry, obviously, as well. But he's been a top mm. three to top five running back in the NFL this season. But they've also got Kareem Hunt back there, who is a great change of pace back and, and actually might be a top 10 back in the NFL in his own right. Two top 10 backs you know, makes for a good backfield, let's be honest, and can take some of that weight off uh, off Baker Mayfield, who I nearly called Johnny Manziel then. That's a weird little <laughs> Freudian slip that nearly came out for some reason. Uh, who can take the weight off Baker Mayfield, who has shown a little bit of a tendency maybe when he's in the big games and and is forced to to throw you know, 30, 40 times that it can be, or plus, can be a little difficult for him. But And that's what they've, I mean, that's what the one of the main things Stavansky's influenced, right? Is that they're ranking... I think 31st in pass percentage, right? So they're just, you know, taking the, literally taking the ball out of his hands and has simplified it as much as they can. You, do you like what, what Stefanski's done? I mean, it couldn't have been much more dysfunctional and erratic under Freddie Kitchens. So it wasn't a, it was a low bar, let's face it. But I think at the same time, there were very high expectations. And let's follow the theme of the episode through. Are, are the Browns one of those teams, their records misleading either way, do you think? I think it's maybe a little misleading in their favour, but that's not a pox on Kevin Stefanski in any way. Mm. I, I think he has done a good job. He's settled that team down. They have had real problems on defence. You know, no Denzel Ward, no Miles Garrett is huge. That's probably their two best players on defence. And yeah. so to lose those two when going up against an offence that runs the play action so well, that has Derek Henry, that has those kind of... Corey Davis showing up last week, which has been a necessity alongside AJ Brown, who... Had a quiet few weeks, but is suddenly back to seemingly his best, and and some tight ends who who do it at a very very high level. In fact, the guy who they brought in this year, whose name is going to completely escape me, and I'm going to double check it, uh, Jeff Swain, the guy they mm. signed this year, who has adapted to that quite difficult run scheme and just thrown himself into it and blocked brilliantly. It's a great offense. the The Browns have only beaten one team with a winning record One at good point team. in the season. The <laughs> sure. Colts are the only team who have a winning record they've beaten. Other than that, they've beaten the NFC East, Cincinnati twice, uh, and, you know, they're going up against an, a, a team who, based on last weekend, are absolutely rolling at the right time of year. Derek Henry in, in December is yeah. going to be an absolute beast for you. And it, it feels like this could be a little bit of a... if. if Cleveland go out and perform in this. This could be the game that makes it go, oh, yeah. they are a good football team. It, undoubtedly, that that will happen if, if they do. And, and I'm not sure it will necessarily make them a, a serious... Look, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm reasonably up on the Browns. I find them very watchable uh, as a team. And you mentioned some of those playmakers defensively, but Mayfield, whether you love him or loathe him, and he seems to have toned it down a lot, of course, off, off the field. I think that's why a lot of people weren't particularly enamoured with him early early on, right? But he, he's a very watchable player. And I guess that's the point, that he has that Favre-like tendency to, to roll the dice and they are trying to stifle that. At any point, that could happen. And, and Tannehill is, is almost the diametric opposite. He's so careful with the ball. They're, they are so careful with the ball offensively. I love AJ Brown. It got me thinking, because I know you love your wrestling world. 
and uh, and and uh, of course uh, we've talked a lot about my my wrestling knowledge as we found out i think it was the houston super bowl where we were all piled into a bar to watch the royal rumble and i realized god i haven't watched this for years but as a kid absolutely love so that kind of flair macho man era uh, we can we could take it up to about the where the rock and stone cold were running things and then i sort of fall, fall off a cliff and you educate me but uh we we are coming from the same place so on that note DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, are they, if you're picking wide receiver tag teams, would they be your, your lock as a tag team? Or do you think that you get like a kind of sneaky Cole Beasley, Danny Amendola, <laughs> dangerous, smaller guy crew? Well, who would be your you, receiver tag team? You know what's terrifying about DK Metcalf and AJ Brown? They were all Miss at the same time. <laughs> same time right? like how was that team not in the playoffs like how were you not just throwing the ball 60 70 times a game and beating right. every team by 60 points because that is farcical i mean when i i talked about the bears packers game looking like men against boys this past week and that would literally have been like men against boys it would have been like bringing nfl players down into college football and being like right just go and do your thing. Right. Interestingly, what I like the idea of is almost doing it like a um, like a three. Guys mm. picked in the second round of last year's draft. We've got AJ Brown. We've got DK Metcalf. We've got San Francisco's very own Debo Samuel as mm. the three toughest wide receivers in the NFL. Nice. Most willing to block. Most willing to catch at the point. Most willing to just be as physical as possible. They would go and dominate in a kind of... Problem is, the best trios of all time are all people like the Dudley boys, and there's always a Spike Dudley in that situation. So, <laughs> so Cole Beasley does get the gig. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. The, uh, but, no, I like them. I, I, in fact, like a, almost like an, uh, a, sta- a DX-style stable. So Debo Samuel nice. will be like X-Pac. That'll work. Nice. I love that. Uh, and um, it, uh, we, it, look, we've already got two off-season shows locked in. I really want to develop this thing <laughs> because with coaches that we've been talking all season long on the show, coaches that... Uh, the most fearsome that are giving that you are you are most terrified about going into the locker room uh, under at halftime. So clearly Vrabel's on that list. Tomlin naturally. Uh, we think that Joe Judge is he's up there as well. So I like this idea of yeah head coach tag teams as well. I want to I want to look at coordinators. We're going to spend an hour on this in the off season. Will Gab, you can guarantee that. But back to this game. Uh, so I uh, it, I think for me the key. It, it, you've already nailed it. The fact that Denzel Ward and Garrett, are they both 100% confirmed out? Well, um, actually, no, Miles Garrett is back off the COVID list. There is a question of what it's like for a guy coming back and having right. to face someone like Derek Henry after not practicing for 10 days and having been out of, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> um, that's potentially a, a terrifying thing. But mm. Denzel Ward didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. At the time we're recording, we haven't had the Friday practice reports yet, but... I'd be surprised if he's back from that calf injury. And if he, even if he is maybe with limited snaps, so it's still a big loss, but Miles Garrett being back in against Eric Henry could be a reason the Browns win this game. I still heavily fancy the Titans, but maybe Cleveland prove us all wrong. And actually we're talking about a team who can even be a force in January. All right. We're going to do quick fire picks in just a moment. Before we do, let's get you some fancy steers for the weekend. Let's check in with Marley. Yes, guys, I'm back with my stardom, sitem, and defensive pick. Week 13 is a big week in terms of making those playoffs, so here are a couple tips heading into this weekend. My stardom is going to be Justin Jefferson. 
wide receiver for the Vikings. The Vikings are playing the Jags this week and the Jags are the worst team in the NFL in giving up big plays. Teams average more yards per play against the Jags than any other team. Justin Jefferson has been all about the big play this season, averaging the second most yards per catch in the league. The NFL is about matchups. This is a matchup nightmare. Expect Justin Jefferson to go off. My sitem is Ezekiel Elliott, and I know that will be tough, seeing as some of you, if you have him, will probably have drafted him as one of your first two picks. But the Cowboys O-line has lost Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Cam Irving, and all its dignity this season, leading to Zeke having less than 55 rushing yards in six of his last nine, and less than 20 receiving yards in six of his last seven. Cut your losses and stick him next to the Gatorade against the Ravens. And now by defensive pick, I'm going with a bit of a gamble. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know it's all about the offense in Kansas City. And the defense has looked shaky recently, giving up an average of 29.5 points per game in their last three. But playing the Broncos, the Chiefs have had their number in recent matchups. The last game, the Chiefs D forced four turnovers, including a pick six. Drew Locke didn't practice all of last week and Jerry Judy's been limited all of this week. I would take the gamble on Kansas City. Thanks, Barley. Lovely stuff. We'll push that out on our social channels as well as a little fantasy capsule. How about that? We did that last week. and got a lot of love, uh, so we'll do more of the same. Right. Ready for the quick fire picks, Will Gav? Oh, I'm all over it. <laughs> as, 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 as long as we can agree that we can change the picks on Sunday if, you know, we Absolutely find out. not. What you are confirm- <laughs> confirming now... I'm done then, is, I'm off. Is, okay, no, you can. I will give you that. I will give you that opportunity to change up uh, if you want to. All right, so let's start with Lions-Bears. Of course, the Daryl Bevel era begins here. There's always that new coach bounce, isn't there? I quite fancy the Lions here, and certainly to to mix it up a little bit and lay some points on the Bears. I mean, there's every chance, because I think the, the Lions will be narrow dogs for this one. There is chance for an upset win here, I think. Yeah, three point at the moment, and I would take the Lions with the points right now. I legitimately think the Bears have had that much of a drop-off in the last mm. five or six weeks. And actually, I don't think they were particularly good before that either. I think there's big changes coming there. If we saw one thing from last week, I think it's that Mitchell Trubisky isn't the answer. Um, and so maybe he'll get a, a, a you know mid-career Tannehill bump somewhere else, but he's not the answer in Chicago. I fancy the Lions to win it. I want a mug that says Mitchell Trubisky isn't the answer. <laughs> I'm going to send it to our friend Ed Manning as well. Or, or just if Mitchell Trubisky is the answer, what on earth is the question? <laughs> that's the that's the hoodie, which is kind of on both sides. Uh, all right. We could like the lines for that. Interesting. All right. Bengals, Dolphins. I mean, I think it's going to be Dolphins all the way to, you know, money line, uh, so to speak. Will Tua start, though? It seems like he's going to miss out again. Does sound that way. Um, it does sound like we're going to see more Fitzmagic, uh, who was fine this past week, you know, played right. reasonably well. And uh, maybe there'll then be question marks if they are still in the, say, the 49ers beat the Bills on Monday and we get do get a Dolphins win and suddenly they're right back in the AFC race, AFC East race. Do they really think about whether to bring Tua back? I loved the whole thing about when he's 100% healthy. Mm. No one's ever 100% healthy. Any player in the NFL. NFL. <laughs> exactly right. And also, it's counterintuitive, right? So, the more they get into contention for the playoffs, or as you say, even the division with, with Fitz, why go away from the hot hand, right? Unless, unless they're winning despite Fitz, I guess, which this Dolphins team could. 
it feels like they're still gearing towards the future as much as this season could be a success. That's the one thing I would say. Mm. I supported the decision to make the move. I still think I do, but we'll have to. I think you have to know what you've got from tour as much as you can before you get to this off season. Yeah, I really like that theory. I, as you know, we talked about on our radio show, I wasn't as big on the move and uh, I'm not saying that's been vindicated because, you know, circumstance of fate has, has, has intervened, but yeah, I would be more of a believer in a, well, by the time we get to this point anyway, Fitz would have had virtually the same amount of football, but I would have given him another four or five starts and let two just breathe in a little more. But uh, same issue, I guess, if they're in contention, then what do you do? Jags Vikings, speaking of contention, the Jags are still improbably in the mix, but the Jags can play spoilers this weekend, do they, Will Gab? It gets tough for the Vikings after this week. They have the Bucks on the road. They have the Saints on the road. They have the Bears, which as much as we've said the Bears are bad, those divisional games are often a bit topsy-turvy. Right. Uh, and then they, I think they're going to be fighting for a playoff place, potentially going to the Lions the final week. I don't think this week's the week they fall over, though. Mm. Um, the Jaguars have kept some games tight, kept it yeah. tight with the Browns, kept it tight with the Packers. They're playing competitively, but they're just too talent poor. And I think that the Vikings all, all run them over at home. Yeah, I do. I, I feel that way. Uh, Colts, Texans would, I think I would have been leaning more towards the possibility of an upset win if we hadn't had the Will Fuller V, as our friend Mike Carlson calls him. <laughs> uh, but with Will Fuller out, despite Deshaun Watson somehow keeping things alive single-handedly, uh, although now he got into a groove with Fuller and, and Cooks, of course, they, they got something going. They had a bit of mojo, but I think that gets deflated with Fuller out. So I, I think the Colts need and will get a bounce back win here. Um, breaking news as mm. we're recording. DeForest Buckner, back. <laughs> DeForest Buckner 31 minutes ago was activated off the COVID list. Oh, that's, that's lock it in then. Yeah. That was, I nearly flip-flopped my Titans Colts pick when I heard DeForest Buckner was going to be out. Didn't do it because producer Ollie goaded me into not doing it and <laughs> have regretted it. I wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats <laughs> for picking the Colts over the Titans. Uh, but I'm going to pick the Colts <laughs> over the Texans, even with Deshaun Watson, as phenomenal as he is. Uh, Okie dokie. Raiders, Jets. I mean, talk about the perfect bounce after uh, a shellacking, an upset shellacking uh, to the extent the Raiders faced. And quarterbacks under pressure. We mentioned it with Goff. Carr as well is, is in that camp of looks absolutely lights out, elite level, when he doesn't have a care in the world. But when he's under fire it all goes horribly wrong and that was part of the story against Atlanta last week of course the Jets don't have that type of pass rush so I can't see anything but a, a Raiders bounce back win here uh, yeah I think we're on board with this I think it's difficult saying this is a Raiders team who don't forget have beaten the Chiefs this season and pushed them all the way to you know needing Mahomes to put together a phenomenal two-minute drive to go and win the game. They have looked good for most of the last five weeks. They just looked really bad last weekend. And I kind of think that's this Raiders team overall. They are liable to drop an egg occasionally because they're still not quite at that top tier, but they look like a playoff team right now. And I think that they win this. They, I think they were nine-point favourites, which feels very generous mm. to the Jets. It does. And, you know, the... Uh... The interesting thing, you make a point there about the Raiders as a playoff team, and it was something I was speculating on in my Times column this week, which was about Mike Tomlin and the Steelers have Washington, incidentally. The, when you look at the, the AFC playoff picture, I think there are only two teams that will go toe-to-toe -to -toe, or have the potential to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Chiefs in, in the playoffs in terms of keeping up 
scoring wise and, and I think that that's the Steelers and uh, and the Chiefs you said to me as we were leaving the studio last Sunday the Chiefs are considerably better than any other team in, in the AFC um, arguably in the NFL right and and so I think they are clear favorites to to go back to to the Super Bowl but out of all of the teams that are likely or in the mix to make the playoffs in the AFC I think that despite their defensive deficiencies, I think the Raiders, as they've demonstrated this season, the Steelers, they're the only two that will go toe-to-toe with them. I think the Raiders can go toe-to-toe with them. I quite like the Titans to mm. be able to keep a game tight with them. When a game's tight, obviously, it can go either way. I, they are a team right. I would fancy to give them some trouble in January. But it's very rare that things that we say at the beginning of the NFL season prove to be correct. Sure. When we get to the end of the NFL season, right? We, we're 12 weeks in and the conversation about the chiefs returning 20 of 22 starters, 21 of 22 coaches, that consistency in a COVID-19 hit season was going to be huge for them. I do think they're the best team in the NFL right now. And I, it's going to take something special to beat them in January, but the Raiders have done it once already only team to do it in what the last must be 20 plus games now. So mm-hmm. every chance. All right, let's rattle through the others uh, because all our tangents on John Candy have taken us, <laughs> taken us over. So, okay. Chiefs have the Broncos at home at Arrowhead, double digit favorites again. Although the Broncos have a full quotient of quarterbacks back. Maybe they should just kind of wheel out each one of them. Uh, <laughs> for a quarter each. For a quarter each. Give Bortles a nod. <laughs> nice, to see, nice to see him getting a turnout. Uh, I mean, look, the Chiefs are, surely are going to win this, but is uh, is Vegas going a bit crazy with the, what is it, a 14-point spread or thereabouts? I don't think it's that crazy. Um, although Vic Fangio is a good defensive schemer. I'm not sure he's a great head coach, but he's a good defensive schemer and he's got that defense playing at a good level. Mm. So that gives me some pause that, they will keep it tighter than 14 points. But the problem is, is Broncos fans are still convinced Drew Locke is the, the option. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe there's still possibility of that. And we've seen him have good games here and there. But, you know, of the 39 graded quarterbacks this season on PFF, he is 35 overall. And I think that's shown in games. And actually... I semi-joked, but really meant it. You know, many a true word say in jest with Broncos fans. Be thankful your quarterbacks are all out because now you have an excuse for why you're going to lose to the Saints because you would have done anyway. That defense <laughs> is really good. Fair. Uh, Seahawks, Giants, the Colt McCoy era continues for <laughs> New York. Uh, Seattle, let's not even attempt to pick that one. I mean, obviously Seattle all the way there. Uh, Eagles, Packers, similarly, I think. Oh, my God, we're going to talk about this on the Edge Rush show, uh, Ollie and I. The most extraordinary bad beat in uh, in modern gambling history. The, the Eagles deep That game shot. last time around. Surely <laughs> lightning uh, won't strike twice. Not even close, I think, this one. The, um, uh, the Packers all the way. Uh, what about... Yeah, okay. Washington Steelers, I'll ask you on, Will, because some people shading that this might be a lot closer than... Uh, than some suggest, and I'm interested in your take quickly on the Steelers, whether they are one of those teams who has a, a misleading record. Are you... Buying the Steelers or are you down on like a lot of people increasingly seem to be? I'm still buying the Steelers. I think people just look at the 11-0 and record and go, oh, they don't look like an 11-0 and team. And, you know, Marley or Ollie, whoever did it, put it in the running order saying, ah, Pittsburgh, the worst 11-0 and team of all time. Mm-hmm. I did the deep dive. I've looked into it. There were there are 11 teams in NFL history who have gone 11-0. and Five of them have won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Four of them have lost the Super Bowl. 
And two of them lost in the divisional round, didn't even make the championship game. I can think of it. So the Panthers and the Patriots more recently, I guess, are the two that lost. So the Panthers, uh, in fact, if you look at the recent ones, four of the last five lost the Super Bowl. And ah. the reason it's four of the last five is because the Colts and Saints both went 11-0 and in 2009 and faced each other in the Super Bowl. So someone had to win it. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but actually the trend in the modern era is that 11-0 teams go to the Super Bowl and lose it. Mm. Um, the Packers in 2011 lost in the divisional round after going 13-0. The thing is, that Packers team, maybe they were worse because although they were historically good on offense, one of only two teams in NFL history to score 42 points in six games, just ridiculous. They were also wow. the 32nd defense in the league in right. yards conceded. And they had yeah. 31 interceptions that year and still were the worst defense in yardage. So they were a team who probably went like 13 and 0 to start the season, but could have easily been seven and five, seven <laughs> and six. Like yeah, those games, yeah. there were a lot of games that they won by fine margins. The fact is, is that the only way they're the worst 11 and 0 team in NFL history is if they don't get past the divisional round, mm. which I think yeah. they will. So I, I'm not, I don't want to really judge it at this point. It just gave me a fun excuse to go and look at some stats. I love those stats. I love them. And the Times piece, because I hate it, hell, I'll plug it again. It was just on Tomlin, <laughs> really, and how it, ridiculous it has been over the last five years. And I know that, and this is part of the point of my article, that the, the revisionism began last season with that 8-8 record, despite everything, and then has rolled into this year. But he is after everything is achieved and underrated coach, people talking about moving on from him a couple of years ago. He's consistently has consistently been criticized for uh, uh, cracks in his tactical acumen, bad decisions made in, in games. And maybe some of those are valid, right? But then if you look at his body of work, it's, extraordinary to me will that he is he is slated but look you know because time is against us we will uh that's uh, number three in the off season uh coaches who are <laughs> underrated P- underrated nfl i think is where we'll go there all right so uh steelers for the win for me against washington do you see an upset there uh i if there's a team to upset the steelers left on their slate i think it might be washington as like a trap game type yeah. game um i'm still picking the steelers but I wouldn't be that stunned with Bud Dupree now out as well. Yeah, that's big. Uh, is is a huge loss for them. I think they are a TJ Watt or Minka Fitzpatrick injury away from falling apart on defense. Sadly, it's a great point. It's a great point because they're such big. I mean, got leading the leading interceptions right. Such such massive playmakers, uh, which has turned a number of games this season. Uh, Bills 49ers, your 49ers, uh, as we said at the top of the show, back in contention, and I fancy them here for 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 a win and particularly give it was Monday night football. Right. So uh, it could be looking at it. if the Rams are taking the cards, following your logic through and thinking, great, you know, they'll be, they'll have moment. They'll have the motivation as if they, I love, I love that. That's still the hot take. I love they'll be motivated to go out and win this one after that. But in, in all seriousness, they'll, they'll look at the opportunity there uh, and they get the win against the bills. They are, they, they are right back in it. I'm not saying this is definitely going to happen, but here's what might, here's what wouldn't surprise me if it did happen. Because what was special about that team that went to the Super Bowl last year and the way that they blocked for each other and the way that they worked? And I know every team talks about ethic and teamwork. And I know I have some bias because I'm talking about the team I support, but I'd never seen in 20 years a 49ers team who, and very rarely in other teams, who really, really did play for the team, who really had that that internal atmosphere who had that 
Kind of, and I think if they won the Super Bowl, that would have been the big story. Guys like Raheem Mostert and those guys mm. coming up and making real impact from almost nowhere type positions. They didn't. So it becomes about Jimmy Garoppolo, Carl Shanahan whiffing on big games. Yada, yada, yeah, yada. yeah. I think this Arizona situation, having to leave Santa Clara County, move their families away, live in Arizona, play their next two games there. They also play um, Arizona on the road. So it's three of their next four games and the Cowboys on the road in that four game stretch. It's one of those things where I remember the Giants and Eli Manning. And I know I'm banging on when we've got when we're tight for time. Sorry, Marley. But when the Giants came and played here, the first ever uh, international series game, they talked about that mid-season having it almost being like a training camp and how mm. big that was to the team itself and how much that pushed them towards winning that Super Bowl. If the 49ers are going to do something ridiculous and end up in the playoffs and go on a, a Giants-like steam through the playoffs, actually I think this Cardinals and this Arizona situation might end up being the making of them rather than the breaking of them. Mm. But equally, they might lose the next four games and just <laughs> be a complete mess. They've not got Garoppolo still. They've not got Kittle still. Lots of players coming back healthy and the Bills are a good football team. So I love, I love the fact you've just essentially called the 49ers for a Super Bowl run. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much, that's pretty much what the last two minutes was. And I love it. And I, I'm going to go put money on the 49ers to win. All right. One word, uh, uh, or rather one team and, and one word why they're going to win or a quick reason why they're going to win. Uh, Patriots charges the Pats, of course, with their tails up after that big win last week. Can they double down? Uh, yeah, the Pats win by a single score, and it's heartbreaking in some way for the Chargers because <laughs> that's how the Chargers play football. How could I argue? And then uh, Cowboys Ravens. I don't know. I'm lost track now. Is this on Tuesday or Wednesday? Or is it a double down on Thursday? God knows these games are coming all through the week. Uh, Cowboys Ravens, of course, uh, it's Tuesday night, isn't it? Because of, Tuesday night, yeah. yeah, it is. yeah it we'll, is. we'll call it anyway because it's on the week 13 slate, even though we've got a show in between. Uh, interesting game, of course, as well. That uh, Lamar could still be out for the Ravens. We just don't know how banged up they're going to be again. Uh, so difficult to call, I guess. But for the hell of it, go for it, Will. The performance against the Steelers gave me a little bit of hope and faith in the Ravens turning things around. But they have been bad for most of the last four or five weeks. It's They're too talented a team with too good a coach to keep losing games. I'm going to take the Ravens at home. Lovely stuff. We got there in the end, wildly over. Hey, this is a podcast. We can do, we can do all this after I said to Molly. Let's keep this one punchy. Um, but hey, it's, it's ever going to be punchy with me and you, Will. Um, Cracking work, bud. We are back in action Sunday, of course, over uh, on our live Talk Sport 2 show. So join us for that five o'clock. I'm looking forward to that. I expect uh, a Christmas, a different Christmas jumper of uh, equal caliber. So uh, yeah. I think if I've got one. I've got a couple of Star Wars ones. That You've got forty eight hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that's some wrestling. You know, we'll see what we see what we got there. Uh, and of course, our, our listeners can catch you on your very own fine pod, uh, Gridiron. So where can they pick that up? Uh, yeah. So if you find at Gridiron on Twitter or at UK Gridiron on Instagram, you can find all the links and everything there. The Gridiron Show podcast uh, with myself, Simon Clancy, and Liam Blackburn, the editor of Gridiron. Uh, and uh, we're joined weekly by Brian Billick, the Ravens Super Bowl winning head coach. And he was brilliant this week on the hirings and firings and best head coach jobs. And he thinks the Texans might be the best job available just because of Deshaun Watson. Mm. It's, it, and it's a strong opinion on it. So it's worth a listen. I'll go check that out. Sounds good. Cracking stuff, bud. Good to see you. I'll see you Sunday. Cheers, guys. 
Lovely stuff from Will Gav. He'll be back very soon. You can count on that. In fact, sounds like we've got some pretty decent off-season pods to get into, but there is plenty of football before all of that. We're going to be rolling all the way through the rest of the regular season into the postseason up to and including the Super Bowl right here on the Nat Coombe Show. Lots of pods coming thick and fast. Lots of extra content across our social channels as well at the NC Show Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Don't forget to check out our Edge Rush show if that's your thing. Uh, drop in Saturday and we are back on Monday with our Week 13 review. Look forward to it. Look forward to the football. See you then, gang. Bye for now. Podcast Network.